He's rooting for everybody black. Everybody black. black. More of Tavis Smiley coming your way right now. Right now. Right now. Right now. All right. George Shedler is Emeritus Professor of Philosophy at Southern Illinois University. He joins us now for mm, what should be a provocative and spirited conversation, exploring the question of whether there should be an apology for American slavery. Um, I want to hear his unique perspective on the complexities of asking for forgiveness and his particular and unique approach to atonement. Professor Shuttle, good to have you on this program, sir. How are you today? I'm fine. I'm, I'm honored to uh, be on the show. I'm honored to have you on the program. I want to make the most of these 30 minutes or less that we have. Let me jump right mm-hmm. in and just uh, ask that question. I've seen your work. I've seen your writings. Uh, fascinating to me. Um, your thoughts on this particular topic, and I thought I would bring it to this audience. So let me just ask you point blank, and uh, I'll open the door for you to do what you do uh, and express yourself as you will. But should there be an apology for American slavery? Well, I think it's a, too little too late to be, be my view in simple terms. That is, it makes sense for the original slaveholders to have apologized to their slaves, you know, after they were freed or after um, the um, passage of the 13th Amendment. But uh, it gets pretty attenuated when you talk about several generations later, um, because the, the descendants of slaves haven't been enslaved. In other words, it makes sense for wrongdoers to apologize to their victims. But now we don't have the wrongdoers. They're very long since deceased, and we have only their descendants um, and and the descendants of the victims. So, I mean, on an individual case, I can understand it. I, I, when I went to a conference in Memphis so 20 years ago, the, the, uh, it was a law school deal. Uh, the, um, the host... Uh, almost broke down in tears because he realized that he had a great-great-grandfather who was a slaveholder. And this really bothered him. And I could understand him wanting to apologize for what his grandfather did to ancestors, uh, you know, assuming he found some people that descended from his slaves. Mm. I could see that on an individual basis. But what we're talking about here in apology for slavery, we're talking about a group apology, not just one one-on-one, you know, and and the groups are not the same as they were back when the wrongdoing took place. So Mm. to me, it it doesn't make conceptual sense, you know, in the real world. Yeah, you know, this might happen, but uh, I just have conceptual issues with with that. You've written a book uh, called, uh, notable works you've written, one called Racist Symbols and Reparations. If not an apology, and I'll come back to that, trust and believe, if not an apology, then what, what, what should happen? Nothing? Well, I think if you could, I, I think there should be some kind of reparations. Um, the reparations should have, again, that's too little too late. It should have happened a long time ago. Um, the problem, there are conceptual issues with that, but I would say that if you could figure out, an economist would, would have to be brought into this question, to what, in what way would the victims of slavery, that is the enslaved, in what ways would they have been better off had they, let's say, 
have been brought over here and freed right away or um, never enslaved, uh, in what way would, would they have been better off? And, and um, for example, um, let's say uh, John Jones was a slave, and had he been a free person, he would have amassed, you know, 100,000 more in cash and so on. If you can figure that out and then look at how much worse off his descendants were because he did get that, mm-hmm. yeah, that makes sense. Uh, the problem, you know, a conceptual problem would be uh, who's going to pay that um, because that m- money may well have been squandered by the, the Confederacy, you know. Uh, would it be the descendants of the uh, slaveholders? Uh, that would make sense. Whether it should be from the federal government is another thorny issue because the government passed the 13th Amendment in 1865, and that was a game changer. You know, that mm-hmm. abolished slavery. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I think that there's, there's a way for, and the federal government had a minimal role in this. It was really individuals, you know, slaves, state governments and so on. So there's a whole lot of, of, of wrongdoers in this picture, but I what? think the feds would have a minimal role because they enabled it. They regulated it. They didn't abolish it. Do you, do they you, abolished it, but not, not you, soon enough. Yeah. To, to your point about, a, about, uh, an economist looking at this, there, there is one who's done it. His name is William Darity. He's at Duke, uh, and William Darity has set that number at above uh, a trillion dollars uh, in damages, at a minimum of a trillion dollars in damages that would need to be repaid. So just uh, for the sake of uh, uh, clarifying that, Mm -hmm. uh, an economist has done that, and that number has been set. Again, you can read his work, William Darity, uh, at Duke University. That said, when you you say on more than one occasion that an apology is too little too late— how can, a pol- how can an apology for something this horrific ever be too little, too late? My grandmother, Big Mama, used to always say, you can't start out wrong and end up right. And that's the story of America. It started out wrong. Mm-hmm. But you can't start out wrong and end up right. So since when is an apology for anything, anything? If you hurt the feelings of your children, if you did something to offend your wife, uh, if you did something to mm-hmm. offend your parents or your friends, since when is an apology ever too little, too late? Well, I probably put it, oversimplified my view of it. Uh, I, I guess it, it becomes attenuated if the practice, the wrongful practice, in this case slavery, ceased. Um, uh, yeah, yeah I, I don't know. Maybe I, I oversimplified because take the case of the Japanese-Americans who were interned, uh, everybody admits, you know, mm-hmm. that that was wrongfully, that, that was a, clearly the feds, by the way. The Supreme Court mm-hmm. even went <laughs> went along with that. And then under Reagan, uh, you know, Congress, uh, he issued an apology. The, the Congress issued an apology. They sure. paid, you know, a small amount, 20000 per survivor. But that, and that was a practice that ceased um uh, with World War II, but they did apologize. So, so yeah, I, I, I think you can meaningfully, but notice that, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I see, I yeah, see, I see, I, 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 here's my point, with all due respect, and we'll continue when we come forward. Uh, I, I see you as a brilliant philosopher noted in this country, and this is, this is why I wanted to have you on, 
because when, when philosophers of your stature, and I say this with great respect, when philosophers of your stature make these kinds of public pronouncements, I think they need to be challenged respectfully uh, and honorably. Uh, and again, for one who has written about, you know, uh, racist symbols and reparations, uh, I just think, frankly, you're, you're, you're wrong about this. I don't think it's too little, too late. Um, just, just, just make it personal. Um, if I had, you know, just, I want to give an extreme example because we're talking about something extreme like slavery. If you had beaten your wife for 20 years and eventually, you know, she divorced you and walked away from you and never wanted to see you again. It doesn't mean that at some point in your life when you come to realize how wrong you were that you shouldn't offer an apology um, or me or anyone, anyone else. That's why this whole notion of anything uh, appropriating or, or approaching uh, uh, an apology should ever be seen as too little too late. And I heard you struggling and kind of hemming and hawing about that respectfully. And I think you're hemming and hawing because your, your conscience must be saying something to you about how that frame is just the wrong frame. It's never too little. It is never too late for an apology. The question is, what is that apology? What does it look like? What does it sound like? What's it accompanied by? We'll talk about that when we come forward with philosopher George Shedler on Tavis Smiley. For all the freedom-loving folk, this is Tavis Smiley. I feel like freedom. More honesty than you can handle. More empowerment than you can imagine. You're tuned in to Tavis Smiley. Smiley. You are indeed our guest uh, in this hour is George Shedler, uh, uh, renowned uh, professor of philosophy emeritus at Southern Illinois University, and wanted to have him on to just take his temperature on why he believes that it's too little too late uh, for an apology for slavery. Professor Shedler, let me read um, a number of messages coming, uh, messages coming at me, as you can imagine, given this conversation. Sure. Let me just read one to you. Um, the dis- uh, professor Shedler, the descendants of slaveholders still are the beneficiaries of slavery just as the descendants of slaves are still living with the devastating effects and disenfranchisement of chattel slavery. Your thoughts? Well, yeah, sure. Um, uh, when, I, when I said too little, too late, I didn't have, I, I, what I had in mind was a case where the, the perpetrators of the wrong are not apologizing to the victims. Okay. Uh, that the descendants of the slaveholders could apologize, you know, if you can trace this all out, descendants of slaveholders could apologize to the slaves. That would make sense. But, of course, they're not apologizing for enslaving these people. Mm-hmm. They're apologizing for what their ancestors did to the victims' ancestors. So it, it, that what I mean by too little, too late is when the, when the perpetrator no longer is alive mm-hmm. and the victim is no longer alive. There can't be this formal apology. And I agree with your uh, example, by the way, of spousal abuse. Yeah. Sure. You know, the, the, the husband, 40 years later, can, you know, come back and say, you know, I'm sorry for that. That's meaningful. But if the husband's son uh, were to apologize to the daughter of the wife, mm-hmm. what's he going to apologize for? You know, he can't help uh, that his father, you know, that... He, that he was born. Yeah, but so 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 so, 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 so let's just let, here, here comes your word back into the conversation. It's getting attenuated to use your words. It's quite attenuated. Yeah, because, because, but, right. but 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 here's yeah. the difference. Uh, here's the difference in those examples. It seems to me, respectfully, the the, the nobody necessarily condone you beating your wife. 
But slavery was condoned by your own admission, of course, and mm-hmm. we know this factually, condoned yeah. by a government apparatus. We could debate the role right. the federal government played versus state government versus local government, but it was condoned by the government. So in that regard, the nation itself, one could argue, the nation itself owes an apology to African Americans for slavery. Makes sense? Are you not? Yeah. Are you not buying that argument? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It it, it makes sense because at the founding, um, there was a there was a debate about whether to uh, have a clause in the Constitution abolishing slavery, but it was rejected. Yeah, Instead, our our, our founding was, yeah our founding documents, as you know, are were in fact pro slavery documents. So never mind whether or not you own slaves or not, the country itself. Mm-hmm condone this it basically wrote it in ignored it into it uh, ignored it by essentially writing it into its founding documents so at a very minimum the nation state the republic owes black folk an apology well certainly the founders do because the founders were the ones who uh, failed to uh, abolish slavery at the outset and it took until 1865 with the 13th amendment to finally abolish it I guess, so I guess the founders certainly owe an apology. I guess the question is, um, and we'll discuss this when we come forward, if the founders are no longer here, then does that mean that because we can't get an apology from them, we can't dig them up out the grave, excavate their bodies, and, and demand that they apologize, should the nation state apologize, uh, given that the founders, again, put this in, in, into play and into practice? Um, well, when we come forward with George Shedler on Tavis Smiley. From the Merck Park with love, love, love this love. is Tavis Smiley. Oh! Helping to make you the most knowledgeable person in your circle of friends. This is Tavis Smiley. I really need more time to excavate this with our guest, George Shetler. 30 minutes isn't uh, isn't enough, but that's all we had uh, on today's program. Perhaps we'll come back to this at a later time. Um, but, Professor Shetler, you did, in fact, mention that there ought to be some some reparations. What, To, to your mind, um, while you're not a fan of an apology for slavery, I'm not sure how these two things coexist anyway. Um, no apology, but there should be reparations. Again, not sure how that fits. But what, what should those reparations look like as you see it? Well, uh when I when I say it's too little, too late, what I meant was that we don't have the wrongdoers and the victims here. Right. But that doesn't mean that we couldn't have some expression of regret. It wouldn't be a formal apology conceptually, but surely we could say, hey, you know, we, we regret that the founders didn't uh, abolish slavery. We regret the black codes, for example, uh, after um, after the Civil War. Uh, we regret Jim Jim Crow and, and those states that had those laws, those black codes and those Jim Crow laws. They can certainly apologize. Uh, you know, yeah, it's got the but, same, but, but regretting, but, same but, structure. But as you know, you're, you're a brilliant philosopher. As you well know, there's a distinct difference between regretting and apologizing. I'm thinking of Bill Clinton, my friend Bill Clinton. But Bill Clinton got in trouble after that Monica Lewinsky scandal. He kept coming out saying, I regret, I regret, I regret. And people kept slapping upside the head and said, no, you got to come stronger than that, man. It's not about regretting. What are you regretting? That you got caught? No, but you, it's not about regretting. <laughs> you you apologize because you were wrong. You apologize because it wasn't it yeah. wasn't just. It wasn't fair. So here you come now with the word regret. That's a horrible word to me, respectfully. It ain't about regretting slavery. It's about apologizing for it. They're not the same thing, Professor. Well, maybe you're right. Well, I know they're not the same. Uh, my my only concern is we can we we can uh, we can apologize for slavery. It's just not going to meet 
the, con- the conceptual, my view of a formal apology. It's mm-hmm. going to be an uh, expression of, you know, it's regrettable that the founders didn't do this. It's regrettable that the states. Now, I think those state governments, you know, mm-hmm. uh, could uh, would appropriately apologize. That would, that would meet a formal Apology to me that they enacted those things. So I got I got sixty seconds left here. What what does a reparations look like for you? Reparations. What's it look like as you see it? Well, I think the feds owe money for enabling slavery Mm -hmm. and any uh, any 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 way that the lives of the descendants of slaves would have been better off. They, They owe that. The, the states that in, enforce this, they owe something, and yeah. the descendants, it, you know. So it, what what I would do is spread the liability around yeah. <laughs> so yeah. that, that we can get all the wrongdoers no, I and take, they can pay their share. Well, that, that, that represents, I'm out of time, that represents some 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 progress. It represents some progress uh, in this conversation. Uh, I'm still, though, struck by your, your, your use of uh, the phrase, any black person who was enslaved who would have been better off Let's calculate what that looks like. I mean, would have been better off? (laughs) I can't imagine one black person who who, who would not have been better off had they not been enslaved. So everybody would have been better off. But I I digress. I'm out of time. I apologize for that. Perhaps we'll continue this at another time. But we all would have been better off had we not been enslaved. I'll leave that where it is.